0: So, Luke 11, page 104.2, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation." Then Jesus said to them, suppose you've got a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Let's pray for Josh and for all of us, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, as we uh, come now to hear from your word, we pray that you might work in us and your Holy Spirit would be powerfully at work amongst us. And we pray for Josh as he speaks and as he teaches. Lord, would his words be your words and would you use him for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give Josh a welcome as he comes up to speak.
1: Oh, Amen. Prayer can be confusing. I, uh, I heard a story um, from World War I of an officer and a private stuck in a trench with the enemy closing in around them. They're the last two left. And the officer turns to the private and he says, Smith, pray. And Smith turns back to me and says, I don't know how to pray, officer. And the officer says, Smith, it's time to pray. He goes, but, but sir, I only know one prayer. Smith, that is an order. Pray. And as the bullets whirred around them, Smith clasped his hands together, closed his eyes and said, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Prayer can be confusing, not just for non-Christians like Private Smith, but for, for all of us. I wonder what your experience of, of prayer has been. Maybe it is a combination of confusion and failure. The late Billy Graham wrote about prayer. At 80 years old, he says, you never get it licked. And that gives me hope, because he was great. And he's saying, keep persevering. You never get it exactly right. Keep trying. Keep coming before God in prayer. And this morning, as we look at this topic, at the start of a new academic year, these moments, I think it happens in January and it happens now, where you go, I'm going to be the best version of me This year, this is where it all changes for me. I'm going to read the Bible 16 times a day. I'm going to pray without ceasing. All of these things, and you know what? They're not bad aspirations to have. That's good. But actually, as we come to the start of a new academic year, what could prayer look like for us? And I want to unpack in this passage today how I'd love us to go from a place of comfort to conviction, from a place um, of actually maybe fruit sparse to fruitful in the way that we can pray. Um, I recognize that sometimes when we pray, we don't get the answer we want. But I am confident that God always hears. And I want to outline to you this morning why I think we can trust this God and why actually it's more about Him than it is about us when we come to seek Him proactively, when we come to seek Him audaciously, and when we come to seek Him with great expectation. We can trust the outcome of our prayer with God. My my testimony growing up... um, Believe it or not, this idea of speaking to you guys now would have been the worst thing in the world when I was a young person. I had lots of friends who were very competent at speaking in front of people. They were very musically gifted. That was not my story. And I said, well, God, what do you want me to do? And I felt very convicted that he wanted me to pray. And so for my youth group, I set up, before the youth group started, it was a place where we would come, we'd read the Bible, and we'd worship together, and we believed God would speak to us. I said to my youth leader, can I set up a prayer meeting before it? Ask what God wants to do in these times. Prayer is a big part of my journey, and I want it to be a big part of my now and my future, and I, I hope that's all of that prayer. I remember being in this, in this prayer group with a couple of my peers and some younger young people as well, and, and believing that we, we felt God speak to us about the nightclub in our city. I'm from Nottingham, and the main nightclub there is a place called Rock City, and it holds a couple of thousand people. And I felt God say, one day you will praise and worship me in Rock City. I said, okay, well, I'll give that to you. That sounds fine. And I was 14 when that happened. And as a 22-year-old youth worker working in Nottingham, I was able to go back to my previous church with my small youth group of, I think there were about 10 of us that went. And we went to an event at Rock City where we praised and worshiped God and prayed for our city. Prayer is powerful. God can speak to us through prayer. God can give you pictures. God can speak to you in a whole host of different ways. And the first thing I want to talk about this morning is the breadth of prayer. But first, let's go back into our Bibles. I should have those open. Um, Verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, us to pray. When the disciples say something to Jesus, we're supposed to be like, Ah, that's me. I should be saying that. As well, so this morning, as we come to this passage, as we come to church, we should be saying, "Lord, teachers, and today teachers, to pray." They saw him model it. Some of the, the Rock City story has nothing on what Jesus had been doing and that what they 'd been seeing Jesus do. Some of the things were ridiculous, they were unre- they were supernatural, so actually, they turned to Jesus and said, "We want to see what you 're doing, and we want to do it because we 've seen that there 's something different." going on here. It's it's interesting in other parts of the New Testament. Um, Jesus is described to have gone to the Mount of Olives to pray, and it says, as usual. This is not a one-off Jesus is praying. They're like, oh, he's doing something new. Let's see what that is. This is something that he is modeling to them day in, day out. So our prayer this morning should be, Lord, through this passage, teach us to pray. Jesus first addresses the breadth of prayer. Um, We're going to come into this a little bit more later, but I think it's helping us to understand that prayer cannot just be reactive. Prayer needs to be proactive. It can't just be reactive. It needs to be proactive. We look at, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. The breadth of prayer is shown in these verses. Prayer is not just one type of communication. It's many, and these verses cover a span of what we can and should say. There's so much breadth in these verses. Prayer is looking up, it's looking ahead, it's looking in, it's looking out, and it's, and it's looking around. And this helps us understand as well maybe how it's possible to do that whole thing of pray at all times. And I think we've got to add on to that, this caveat that the Holy Spirit often will pray for us. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit praying for us in groans that we can't understand. Or in other words, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit is in us, helping us to pray. Is that our outlook at the start of this new academic year, to push forward in, in prayer? So point one. The breadth of prayer leads us to be proactive, not reactive. The breadth of prayer leads us to be proactive, not reactive. Um, My three-and-a-half-year-old Sophie um, is getting braver with age, more confident with age. She is beginning to bargain with me. I thought I'd like this bit because I fancy myself quite good at that kind of thing. But it's actually quite a challenge, even as a -a three-and-a-half-year-old is taking me down. And there's three things that she mainly bargains with. There's three things that she mainly does. And that is in the area of snacks, books, and bedtimes. Let me explain. Daddy, can I have one, two, three, four, five snacks? No, Sophie, you can have one snack, and it'll be fruit. Okay. Daddy, can I have one, two, three snacks, and can it be crisps? So if you can have one packet of crisps. And so she's already worked away from fruit to crisps. And then we get to books. Daddy, I'd like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books tonight. You're going to have three, and two of them are going to be scripture. And, and, she, and, you know, we do these bargaining things, but the best of it comes when it's just about time to go to sleep. And she'll say, Daddy, can I have a high five? Weird thing, at bedtime anyway. Can I have a high ten? Can I have a hug? I need mummy now, I'd like my beaker. Uh, where's my very special toy that you haven't thought about for three weeks, but now it's the one you want, and it's probably somewhere downstairs, I don't know. I spent 45 minutes at 10.30 last night looking for a pair of binoculars. <laughs> These things happen, okay? But actually, what, what she's doing there is something that I think I refer to as shameless audacity. And I said to my parents, I said, this is what's happening, and they laughed in my face, this was yesterday, and said... That is exactly what you did. Apparently, my best excuse for not going to sleep was I've forgotten how to close my eyes. (laughs) Sophie here, and I suppose me growing up, showed shameless audacity. And I wonder how often we show shameless audacity when it comes to prayer. My second point is that the recipient of our prayer, God, should lead us to be audacious, not apathetic. The recipient of our prayer, it being God, should lead us to be audacious and not apathetic. Um, let's look back at the passage. So verses 5 to 8 and 11 and 12. We're going to look at that now. And the passage kind of narrows at 5 to 8 to talk about probably the type of prayer we're most, most used to, which is, please give me this, requests, okay? It's, it's asking for stuff. But I, I do think that this bit, and we're going to look at this more in a moment, but I do think that this bit is actually talking way less about what is being asked for than who is being asked. Way less about the content... And way more about the context of what this prayer is all about. So, verse 5 to 8 tells us a story of a friend eventually giving in to another friend's ridiculous request in the middle of the night. His shameless audacity wins the day. And when we get to 11 and 12, we see this picture of a father, and talking about an earthly father, they wouldn't give, you know, a scorpion instead of an egg. Or a rock instead of bread, and and, or maybe like a crayon instead of a breadstick. If we're using something more appropriate for today, but this idea that actually, of course, you're not gonna you're not gonna do that. And I think actually, what this is trying to say is actually that Jesus, when it comes to prayer, is better than any friend we can ask for. Something for, he's better than any father. So we can ask for, because he is the perfect father and the perfect friend. So when we come in prayer, we can trust where we are going. Knowing the who gives us understanding of the how and hope for the "what. So when we're bringing things in prayer, we first look to Jesus to give us a context for our courage in prayer to give us a context for our audacity and desire to ask for something that is beyond what we can think of or beyond our imagination, that God is beyond that. So are we reflecting that in in our prayer lives? I I felt very challenged as I prepared this that, yeah, not a lot of the time. Sometimes, sure. But I want to be proactive about this stuff. And verse 9 says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everybody who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. This is not apathetic. Seek, knock, ask. They require action. The recipient of our prayer leads us to be audacious, not apathetic. So we've had the breadth proactive, and we've had the recipient audacious. But this audacity here it is kind of childlike in some ways. It seems like a ridiculous request to do something like that in the middle of the night. It seems a bit real, a bit messy. But actually, I think prayer should be a bit real and a bit messy and a bit honest. Or maybe even very real, very messy and, and very honest. A father loves when his children come to him. God loves it when we ask, when we seek, when we knock. It's relational. That's what he wants. So point three. The promises of God and who he is leads prayer to be expectant and not hopeless. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. And if you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. But whatever situation we are in, we should still request and trust God that he knows best. We should still persist in asking for the timing, uh, but trusting the timing of God. We should still persist, though. We still continue to bring it before God in prayer. We should be willing to accept the answer no. And the more I thought about this, the more I realized very often I'm just not willing to accept the answer no. But that, the answer could be no. That, that's allowed. God... <laughs> Is is big enough to understand more than we can? And so if he says no, we've got to trust in who he is in trusting his response. We look to what he has done. Um, you know, there's going to be things in our lives. I've got my own stories. I've got my own times where God has faithfully answered prayer. I remember two and a half years ago, um, we were in Nottingham because my dad, uh, in the space of a week, we found out that he had a brain tumor and he needed surgery. It was a massive one in front of his frontal lobe like a really difficult time as a family and I remember going back and we were so intentional about prayer and the recovery time that my dad went through in comparison to what the doctors thought it was going to be was instead of it being three years it was closer to three months in a full recovery he had a stroke he lost the whole left side of his body but being persistent and deliberate in prayer that's, that's my story but what are your stories? that's a big story I've got small stories as well please let Sophie sleep tonight oh she slept, great <laughs> Does the big and the small, but what are your things? Do you look back on? Because sometimes it's helpful to say, God, what have you done? Let's remember what you've done so I can trust that you will do. But sometimes we just forget. We forget to be thankful, sure, but just forget completely. Or even we don't use that as part of our context for our courage. We don't use it as part of our recognizing who God is and that He is good and that his promises are true. I think coming to a God like that leads us to be expectant about what not only he can do, but what he's promised to do in Scripture. I said that we were going to look through um, the Lord's Prayer part of this, and we will in just a moment, but I want to recognize that point two about being audacious is a choice that we make. That's something that, to a certain extent, is on us. Yes, the Holy Spirit helps us. Yes, that is part of it. But it is our choice to make. The expectant part of this I think is a lot more about just looking to God. He's the one that causes us to be expectant. It's not our expectation. Actually, it's about all about who he is. So we come back to the passage, Father. Through Jesus, through knowing Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. We can call God Father. We're under the same status as Jesus is praying here. So when we come to this Father, we, we can pray with expectation. We can come expectant. Hallowed be your name. He's worthy of our praise. Getting in line with that and recognizing the implications of somebody who is hallowed as we come to pray should lead us to be expectant when we pray. Your kingdom come. This is happening anyway. But getting in line with it means that we are expectant of the bright hope and future that we have through knowing Jesus. We're expectant that, yes, the war is won. The battle isn't. We will go through trials, and we'll have to pray and trust through the battles, But we can be expectant in those trials because of who God is. Verse 3 says, Give us each day our daily bread. The promise of provision. If Jesus is praying this and telling us to do the same, we can trust that as a promise from God that he will provide for us. Will it look exactly like we hope it? will probably not. But we can trust in his provision for our lives that he will meet our needs. Forgive us our sins. Now, I don't, I'd like it to be really clear, I don't spend lots of time Googling the word I'm preaching on and finding funny jokes, but I do a little bit. So we come to prayer, and I Google, and these are a few of my favorites, okay, so prayer. I asked God for a bike, but I knew God doesn't work that way, so I stole a bike and asked for forgiveness. (laughs) That brings me to my next point, which is forgive us our sins. I've never stolen a bike, but I know that I need forgiveness from God. And I can be expectant that no matter what, however bad, forgiveness is found in Jesus. Wholeness is found in Jesus. Freedom is found in Jesus. Jago prayed it earlier. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. It's fancy sin. And so we can trust this as a promise from God, no matter what it is. If we come to the foot of the cross and say, I'm sorry, then forgiveness is there for us. The second thing I found is this. Uh, Dear Lord... I know you put ignorant, annoying people in my life for a reason, but did you have to put so many? I'm just asking. (laughs) I thought that was funnier than you guys did, but it's all right. (laughs) We also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness is a tough topic. It is something that we're not asked to do. It's something that we're told to do. I recognize that there are really big things to forgive, and then there are really small things to forgive. In the small things, let's do it. In the big things, let's look to the God who helps us to take that step towards forgiveness. To recognize that, yes, sometimes it is a process and a journey. I want to encourage you that forgiveness, I think, is about setting a captive free and realizing that you were the captive. How often in my life have I not been forgiving someone they don't even know or even care that something's happened. It's just eating me up. So actually, in some ways, the forgiveness is setting me free from that hurt and that pain that I'm feeling. We're told to do it. Forgive everyone who sins against us and then lead us not into temptation. God promises to be with us through temptation. We pray expecting that when temptation comes, he will help us. Verse 10, back again. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We're told to be expectant. We're told to be deliberate. And we're told to be intentional. Let's remember back to those stories in your own lives now, those times where God has come through for you. And if he hasn't, I want to encourage you to test that out, to, to pray, to seek God, to ask him to move in your life. And then when he does, you can come back and say, wow, this God is real. Wow, this God loves me. And wow, I'm ready to tell everyone else about what has just happened in, in my life. And so how do we know what we should ask for? When we should ask for it? When audacity is what we should be going for? When expectation and all of it, well, how do we know when? And I think the, the key comes in the very last verse of this, of this passage that we read today in verse 13. It talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus said, I am sending one after me who will lead you into all truth. He will speak what he hears. Let's believe for the Holy Spirit to prompt us in our prayer. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to prompt us in our prayer, to prompt us to remember the promises of God, to prompt us to remember times where God has been working in our lives and maybe we haven't noticed it, to remind us of of things. Trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit. So point three, the promises of God and who he is leads prayer to be expectant and not hopeless. Um, Spurgeon said this. He said it about a minister, but let's put this into our own context. He said, a minister may fill his pews, his communion role, the mouths of the public, but what he is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is, and no more. So what's the challenge this morning in prayer? How does this look for me, and how does this look for you. I want to encourage you to look at your own context now as we respond. My context is overseeing the children's and youth work here. I'm a father of two young children. These are two of the things I'm thinking about when I'm coming to the context of being proactive in prayer. We heard many, many notices earlier of so many ways that we can be proactive in prayer about things going on here at HTC. How can you pray audaciously this year? How can you look back and say, what I prayed changed this? And I want to encourage you to be expectant that God will move in this church, that God will move in your life, in the lives of those around you, in Clapham and beyond. Let's be expectant as a church corporately and as individuals that God can move. Um, As we said, let's let's close our eyes and we're we're just going to pray. And I'd like you, I'm going to spend a bit of time in silence. Thinking about those three words and applying them to to your context. God, as we think about where we are right now, as we think about what Monday morning looks like for us, as we think about what this new school year looks like for us, whether it be changes in circumstance, whether it be the same old, same old, we ask that you'll help us to be proactive in prayer to be audacious in what we are willing to ask for and speak into being and God right now we choose to look to you the God who sent Jesus to us so that we could know God we choose to look to that God and say that we are expectant of what you're going to do this year. I thank you that in all of these things you send your Holy Spirit, you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can be led and shaped and changed and convicted and encouraged in our lives but also in the way that we pray and in what we pray for. Help us to trust the leading of that Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.